Hello, Minnesota Twins and baseball fans everywhere. Welcome to Episode 8 of Minnesota Twins Chat. I am your host, Troy Larson, and for this episode, we're going to have a special guest returning. Don Wardwell, baseball's first blind broadcaster. And I'm not really going to get into a whole lot with the Missile Twins this episode, but we do discuss the rate the Missile Twins have been striking out, and we also discuss some other MLB topics. And be sure to check out Don Wardwell's podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's called The Baseball Lifer. And he will be detailing about some of the episodes he has done fairly recently and some episodes he will be releasing. So, with that, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Don Wardwell. Joining us now here on Minnesota Twins Chat, once again, is former blind uh, baseball broadcaster Don Wardroll. Hi, Don. Uh, welcome to the show. How you doing, Troy? Good to be on again. Yes, and uh, I we have plenty of things to talk about, and I actually figured you and I were on a show on Monday called Sports Roundtable, and it's just the show is basically... It's mostly blind people. They get together and they talk about sports. And Don is basically one of the main panelists on there. And I am on her often to talk about Minnesota Twins and other Minnesota sports stuff. But the, the topic I generated on Monday was how much there has been with the strikeouts, especially with the Minnesota Twins. And on Monday, I said that the Minnesota Twins uh, were at 678 strikeouts, and six more, they would have been at at uh, 684 strikeouts on the season, um, which would have equaled 1978. As of this recording, Don, the Minnesota Twins have... 696 strikeouts. And then I did some checking. The record in the majors by a team to strike out in a season is the 2021 Chicago Cubs at 1,596. The Twins are on pace right now for 1,658. And when I calculate it out, the Twins will break that record in 156 games of the season or so. What are your thoughts on that, Don? I, I don't really know about that because you're talking about half a season gone, and you said they're at 694 strikeouts now? 696, yes. 696? Okay, so half a season, about 80 games, are we? Um, I would say more closer to 70. But the, the... Uh, okay, I didn't know that. Okay, well, that's possible, but, and there are definitely reasons behind it. You, in 1978, the Twins still had a reasonably good, not too old yet, Rod Carew. 
and Rod Carew could change the balance as far as strikeouts were concerned for for a whole season because he just didn't strike out very much. But guys like Rod Carew don't grow on trees. Uh, don't the Yankees wish they did? Because we have a, a team that's bound to strike out almost as much as those Cubs, and, and the Mets strike out a lot, and it's really a game thing. The ball players now have uppercut sh- swings. They don't try for the good level swing that the that we were, well, that I was taught when I was a kid playing beep ball. They'd say, try to have a level swing. You know, and these guys today don't know what a level swing is. It's all about launch angle, Don. The they, they they want to get the ball into the seats because they think that home runs uh, are the answers. Even when you have runners on base, they're, they're not. The modern day analytics tell you that it's better to hit a home run than to bunt and then maybe get another single then, and then get a, you know, maybe get a double or something like that. You know, they're trying to, they, they want to do it as quickly as possible in some aspects. And so I actually looked up, Don, before we got to recording, the teams. Um, I, I was looking at the uh, strikeout totals for all the teams this year. And here are your top five. We've, we've already mentioned the Minnesota Twins at 696. Number two, San Francisco Giants, 663. Number three, Milwaukee Brewers, 643. And the Seattle Mirrors are also tied for third place at 643. The Oakland Athletics are in fifth place at 642. Now, that's astonishing because of how horrible that team is. You'd think they'd already have 800 strikeouts by now. Exactly. And and by the way, Oakland does not have the worst winning percentage uh, right, can- they just went past Kansas City just by a Nats eyelash. Yep, Oakland is 19 and <clears throat> 51, 50. and Kansas City is 18 and 50. So and it's, it's amazing to me, and you know they they're still both of them are looking at the 1962 Mets who were 40 and 120, and there were two games left off the schedule. I guess they got canceled and nobody wanted to make them up so 40 and 120 is the mark these are these two teams are trying to avoid well Oakland at one point last week they were on pace to be worse than an 1899 Cleveland Spiders well actually not worse than the Cleveland Spiders but they were on track to have a worse record since the 1899 Cleveland Spiders they've had something like a six or seven game winning streak there for a while Yep. So I see what you mean, but now they're that that winning streak threw a monkey wrench into that. Now they still could chase the sixty-two Mets. We just don't know because you got a long, long couple of months yet. You know, July, August. You know, the dog days of August when everybody feels exhausted, and when you're on a team as bad as they are, you feel even more exhausted than you are when you're on a winning team. For sure. So. Um, and by, so let's go back to the strikeouts here. So the top 12 teams, Don, I, I'm not going to name them all because I just only wrote down the top five, but the top 12 teams have 600 or more strikeouts on the season. Number 13 is 
the Los Angeles Dodgers at 598. That is... And I also wanted to mention Tampa Bay, who has the best record in the majors currently, as of this recording, at 49-22, 595. And then, just for your benefit, Don, your New York Yankees are number 18 at 577. So they're all pretty tightly bunched up with all these strikeouts. Yep. Now, it's certainly not, you know, like... The, the days of Casey at the bat when that poem was written when being struck out really was something to be ashamed of you know now they just you know brush it off and you know come up again and maybe strike out again yes uh, and just so you know we only have two teams Don currently with less, with less than 500 strikeouts your Cleveland Guardians with 477 in 29th place and number thirty, the Washington the Washington Nationals, at four hundred and fifty nine. Now that's interesting because Cleveland, you know, they don't hit home runs. There's no doubt about it. They don't hit home runs. I didn't realize that they also don't strike out. And Washington, I don't know. I don't know that much about their home run hitting power or lack thereof because I don't listen to many Washington Nationals games. Same here. I haven't I haven't I didn't really look at the Washington Nationals stats, but um I mean I haven't really, but the yeah, it's interesting. Where you know this this strikeout trend in baseball, where we're at. You know, I I would never have thought Don that most that most teams would have more than five hundred strikeouts at this time. But I had hoped that the the elimination of the shift would limit some of that. Now, what I've heard is um, only 10 players, I'm not sure which league this is, only 10 players in one of the leagues is qualified and is hitting over 300. I thought the shift going away would lead to more 300 hitters and fewer strikeouts, but it doesn't seem to be happening. I don't. Yeah, I, that's just amazing to me, Don. And you just kind of gave a little segue into my next, uh, t- what I want to talk about. Do you think the new rules are being enforced, Don? Uh, you had said in March, in, when we were on here doing doing our interview, if we would, uh, that it'll be interesting to see if the rules would be enforced. Uh, you referenced 1969. And... My thinking is, I think they are being enforced. A lot of the games are around 230, 240-some are over three hours, but not nearly as many as that, I've, that we used to have in the past seasons. What are your thoughts, Don? Correct. I think the umpires are exactly doing what they should have done in 1969. At that time, there was a 20-second clock, but they just let it go away, and they ignored it. Now, they're not doing that in 2023. These are quicker games. These games are being played at a pace which makes them much more interesting to listen to. And not only that, they're they're enforcing the rules about sticky substances on pitchers' hands to the sorrow of some pitchers, particularly Drew Smith of the Mets, only a couple of nights ago, 
because under a rule they now have, if you're tossed out of a game for foreign substances on your hands, you get a 10-day suspension, and this is the part I don't get. Your team can't bring up another person to replace you on the roster. That doesn't seem quite right. But Drew Smith is going to have to pay, and his team is going to have to pay with him. They can't bring up another relief pitcher. No, they they can't. And I I I I know you'd asked on Facebook on Tuesday night in your baseball as I see it Facebook group about that. You actually asked, "Is the Subway Series a train wreck?" Yeah, and believe me, that first game kind of was a train wreck because neither. Pitcher did very well, neither starting pitcher. But the bullpens took a hold about the middle of the game, and once the score was 7-6, to six, that's where it ended up with the Yankees winning. Now, the Mets took the game last night in extra innings. Wednesday night, the 14th, that would have been. And they, they in 10 innings, they won by a 4-3 to three score. And they do not have a third game in that series. I was surprised to hear. That's only a quickie two-game series, and there must be another one planned for the Bronx later on. I think I think um, what they have, I know but the Milwaukee Brewers and the Twins are doing the same thing. They play two-game series here, interleague series here, then they will play two-game interleague series in Milwaukee. I wonder if that's what a lot of the rivalries have been doing this year. Two at home. You know, if one team's place and then two of the other teams place but at least I, you know i can say i can speak back for your you know brewers and the twins and obviously for via via subway series um and i'm sure there's other rivalries too like that but via you know via the new york mets let's let's uh keep on talking about the new york mets are you surprised at where they are at in the standings they are fourth place in the national league east and if memory serves me correctly, their record was 32 and 36. And yet they have the highest payroll. They have the highest payroll in Major League Baseball. I am astonished. They're, they're a disaster area. And the worst of it is, other than Edwin Diaz, I don't know why they're a disaster area. I mean, Edwin Diaz, yes, everybody knew he was going to be out for the year. You know, he wiped out his knee, and he may never play again. We don't know about that that knee that he hurt. But beyond that, I can't really put my finger on why they're so horrible. But they're just definitely not getting it done. Definitely not. And I know that Steve Cohen, the owner, he says that the uh, manager, Buck Showalter, and the GM, they're, they're not going to be fired. So... I don't know. He probably still thinks they still got it. I don't know. It's, I mean, still early in season, but they're going to have to start making some moves here as far as making some, as far as uh, winning games. And Well, once the general, once the owner says, you know, he gives you a vote of confidence, that pretty well means you're, you're going to be looking for another job relatively soon. I hope not because Buck, I think, is a terrific manager under the right conditions, you know, given the right talent to work with and given players who are doing what they're supposed to do. And the Mets have, obviously, guys on the injured list, just like the Yankees do. I think the Yankees have more, and there's more guys up from AAA that are playing for the Yankees 
than are playing for the Mets. Yep. So I mean, Yankees, they have a better record. And and the, the Mets, you know, guys like Lindor and Pete Alonso and Brandon Nimmo, you know, they're not getting the job done up to now. And and their pitching isn't getting the job done. And they've got both uh, Max, Max Scherzer, Scherzer and Justin Verlander, you know, a couple of ex-Tigers, and neither one of them, you know, they're they're both starting to look like what they are, which is old men. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm if not mistaken. I've I don't know if it might be if it's still true. I know I've have, I I think Verlander might be on the IL. Um, or no, was. he pitched last night against uh, Jarrett Cole. That's the game that went extra innings with yep. the Mets coming out on the winning side. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I don't know. It seems like I thought he was on the IL earlier this year. Yeah, he may have been, but but he's back now, and he's and last night I'd say he pitched his best game. But of course, he came up against Jarrett Cole, which is the best the Yankees have. Other than that, the Yankees are kind of lost because Nasty Nestor Cortez, their terrific pitcher, hurt his shoulder. How bad I don't know. Um, yep, Luis Severino's got problems. Uh, that's another pitcher of theirs, and that without that, without uh, starting pitching, nobody's going to get anywhere. Isn't um, yeah? And plus, the Yankees. If I'm not mistaken, obviously I know that Aaron Judge is is out. Yeah, he's injured again, right? I forgot about him because I was focusing on the pitching. And they have another guy, um, Carlos Rodon. He hasn't pitched a game all year, and now he isn't supposed to pitch until August. And Frankie Montas, we know he's done for the year. Yep. Harrison Bader is injured and has been injured. So it's it's frightening how many Yankees are injured, and the Mets have their share, you know, on the injured list also. I know that, yeah, and Carl, Carl, uh, that, that Carl's, uh, John Stanton, he's been out too. Oh, John Carlos Stanton, correct. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think he's back, but. For how long, who knows? You know, these guys, they're so muscular now that when they try to, you know, open up and hit the ball, they, they either pull or they tear one of those muscles. You know, it's it's not like it was before guys did all this weightlifting that they do. I think it's very bad for them, and I think that's what's getting a lot of them on the injured list. Agreed. So let's let's kind of touch on the standings a little more. Um, would you have thought, Don, that the Tampa Bay Rays would have had the best record in the majors? I would have figured they'd be up there, but to be as good as they are and to have the Orioles right behind them. Now, that's the part that surprises me. Uh, know, the, the Orioles weren't too bad last year, but I wouldn't have thought they'd bring it up again, you know, the next year. And they're they're getting it done. They're right on Tampa Bay's heels. Well, that's what happens when you draft good players. You know, oh. I, 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 and Baltimore, I know, has been drafting in Tampa Bay. I don't know how they do it, but they just seem to put together a good team of one of the lower payrolls in the league. Especially pitching. I don't know where they get them all, but Tampa Bay and Atlanta, those are two teams that seem to get the pitchers. So when they get an injury to one of their pitchers, they're able to dig into the farm system and find another pitcher to replace them. Yep. Now, 
the AL Central is one of the weaker divisions in baseball, but also the NL Central. Yes, let me talk about them because there's a team there that they're they're not there yet, but they're coming. And if if their team, if their management doesn't tear them apart, which is a bad tendency they have, they're coming. And that team is the Cincinnati Reds. Two days ago, on Tuesday the 13th, I brought on John Sadak, their television voice, onto my program, which is the Baseball Lifer. And that's available wherever you can get your podcasts. And that is going to air on the 23rd of June. You know, he, he consented to let me do tomorrow's show, which is going to specialize on the College World Series. And he p- was willing to put off his show until the 23rd. But we talked about guys like Ellie De La Cruz, um, Scott McLean, um, Will Benson. Um, they have a pitcher named Abbott whose first name um, eludes me for the moment. But they, these guys are young and talented guys. And think about this. Last year they lost 100 games, which means they're going to get a good draft choice come July of this year. They could get one of these guys who are going to play in the upcoming College World Series. So look out, folks, the Cincinnati Reds. They might be gaining on you. Yes, and I'm going to put the link to your to your podcast in the show notes. Um, I just just that the people can have a reference, uh, have access to that link. And yes, and another episode I have noticed. I haven't I haven't really listened to your podcast much lately, but I but I was looking through it last week, and I, I noticed that you had on somebody who collects uh, old games. Yes, Eric Padden was my guest on the. June 9th episode, and those are all there. If you subscribe to the Baseball Lifer, you'll be able to hear these. And Eric has about triple the collection that I have because he's had a lot more years to do it, and he's had a lot more money. And back in the day, before YouTube, you needed money to buy all these games. Now, almost everything he spent all his money on is out there on YouTube. That, I mean, collecting old games seems to be a art with with some people, and it's it's a fascinating thing. And I did it myself, starting my first year as a professional. After after I'd done my first year of broadcasting, my broadcast partner Jim Lucas said, "Don, I'm going to invest some money. I'm going to get you a bunch of old baseball games." There was a. Uh, catalog I had hold of that I'd got from an ad in Baseball Digest. And he said, you name me a handful of games out of the catalog. We're going to get a total of 10 games. And Jim said, I want to make a few picks, but I want you to make most of them. So what he wanted me to do with those 10 games, the reason he put up the money, he wanted me to listen to them and listen to them again and listen to them some more (laughs) until... I had the what the voices of these broadcasters in my mind and what they were doing. What made Red Barber different from Mel Allen? What made both of them different from Kurt Gowdy? Uh, what made any of those different from 
Joe Garagiola and Ned Martin. And we, we got 10 exceptional games and that began my collecting. And I got a lot more when I met a guy named Peter Hayward who was willing to trade my minor league games in exchange for games from his major league collection. I must have gotten hundreds of games from Peter. And then YouTube, I've gotten a great many more. Do you know the name John Miley? Miley, oh my God. I I have tried to avoid working with him as far as I could because I always thought his prices were too high. Um, I bought a few uh, very specialized games from him. I bought Game 4 of the 73 National League Championship Series, Mets against the Reds, the game where Rusty Staub hurt his shoulder and he wasn't the same for the World Series. And John actually said to me, why in the world do you want that game? And I said, it happened on my parents' 25th anniversary, that's why. (laughs) That was one thing. And I bought a game from Miley, uh, Super Bowl Eight, And I don't care for football, but Super Bowl Eight was the day my wife was born, January 13th, 1974. And on her 25th birthday, I gave her that recording as a birthday gift. So I very rarely bought from Miley if I didn't have to, but... There were certain special occasions when it was it, it seemed necessary to me. Um who played in Super Bowl 8? That was the the my goodness, that was the Dolphins and the Vikings. Cuz I know 7 was the Dolphins and the Redskins, but it was the Dolphins and the Vikings and it was in Houston and it was at Rice Stadium. It wasn't even at the Astrodome. I mean, the Super Bowl, really, Super Bowl Eight had not gained the cachet that the term Super Bowl does now. I mean, today, no way in the world would they put a Super Bowl in a college stadium. They'd put it in the biggest, biggest stadium that they could find. Yep. Well, let's go back to these. There's a couple more teams I want to touch on. Sure. In, in the standings. I, the one that stands out to me, I, I and I did this in an episode earlier with my dad, where we picked who we thought we were going to win, the you know in the playoffs, and I didn't pick them at the time, but I, but I felt that we had to kind of keep an eye on the Texas Rangers, and here they are, they weed the AL West, and they're in first place. Yeah, they've got the Houston Astros breathing down their necks, but I would love to see. Texas put up at least a respectable showing. Well, the thing that, that might hurt him right now is the fact that Jacob DeGrom, he's, he's out for the rest of the season with a Tommy John. He's facing at least his second Tommy John, if not his third. Uh, I know it's for a an second. absolute, it is his second. Okay. Cause I knew for a fact it was going to be his second. I just had my doubts if it might be his third. But I'm going to tell you something. It's tough enough to to recover from one Tommy John. To recover from a second is very difficult. And DeGrom is not young. He'll be 35 or 36 when he can return following his second Tommy John. Well, we'll see how, he, how, how that worked out for him. But, but Texas does have a few other good pitchers. Uh, 
Texas does have a few other good pitchers. Um, Dunning. Um, yeah, Dane Dunning. Yes, yep, young yep, Dane guy. Dunning. They need him in that little ballpark they got. Yep, Nathan Evaldi. Oh, yeah, ex-Yankee. Yep, Nathan Evaldi, ex-Yankee. At least they got him away from the Red Sox. Yep, yep. Well, well, he wasn't Red Sox at one time, too. I know. And who's the other pitcher I'm thinking of who's on Texas? Oh, um, John Gray. Ah, yes. Surprisingly, you know, he's done real well. And believe me, they need anybody they can get. So, and they got two guys coming. They're not there yet, and they won't be there, I don't think, in 2023. But I'll tell you their names. Jack Leiter, which is Al Leiter's son. And on Kumar Rocker, now, he's going to be delayed because he needs his first Tommy John surgery. But Jack Leiter, that's a name you might hear at the end of 23. And if you don't, you'll definitely hear in 2024, unless he gets hurt. I'm a buddy of the AAA broadcaster for the Rangers, Mike Caps, and I can check with him on the progress of these guys and yep, and see I've, what happens. Yep, and I and I know you had Mike Caps on your on your podcast. Yes, he's a great guest, Mike is. Yep. So and. Let's go to the National League West. We have not exactly been keeping them straight, but we're kind of working our way from east to west. I right now, um, the Los Angeles Dodgers are leading that leading that division. But what is going on with the San Diego Padres? I, I thought they've been doing better. Um, Again, even though there's no subway in that city, they're a train wreck, and <laughs> I don't understand it. I really don't. You you could have. Knock me over with a feather if you said the Diamondbacks would be anywhere near the L.A. Dodgers. But, you know, Arizona is, and and L.A. better watch out because there's snakes creeping up on them. <laughs> well, you know, at one time, I think Arizona was leading that, was leading me in all Weston. But and, and the Dodgers don't exactly seem to be... Um, what should I say? They're, they're, they don't seem exactly to be running away with it either. So. Well, there's a reason for that. There's several. Um, this is Walker Bueller's year off because of his Tommy John operation that he had. Right. They had a guy, Gavin Lux, and Lux, he's out for the year. He tore up his knee. Now, he's a second baseman. Uh, they got a, another They've got at least one more pitcher who's out for the year, although I can't think who he is. I'm not sure if Dustin May is pitching this year or if he's not. Um, I I know he was pitching. I don't know if he's pitching now or not. But the the Dodgers are not tearing up the pea patch, which is what it was said of them when they played in Brooklyn. But they've got the Diamondbacks to worry about. I don't know if they have the Padres to worry about because Juan Soto is just utterly collapsed since he was traded over from the Nationals. And I'm not hearing great things about uh, Machado and not hearing great things about Tatis. It does, I, I don't hear anything about much of anybody from the Padres. And, and I don't added, get it. Yeah, I mean, added Xander uh, Bogarts. Bogarts, I forgot about him totally. If you asked me, I would have said he was on the Dodgers. 
(laughs) (laughs) No, he's on the Padres, Don. Well, you get them out in the West, and it's difficult to keep up with what they're doing. But but I do know, and I'll tell you part of why I know about Arizona. They got a broadcaster named Chris Garagiola. He doesn't do all the games, but he is Joe Garagiola's grandson. Can you believe? Wow, that is. Joe Garagiola, if you go on YouTube, you hear him on the World Series in 1963, 65, and 75. Those are three radio World Series Joe Garagiola did. And now his grandson, Chris, he doesn't do all the games, but he does some. I was lucky to hear him this one night, and he works with the old knuckleballer, Tom Candiotti. On the on the Diamondbacks network. Wow, um, I think we're 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 getting close to wrapping this up here. But I'd like to go to the Oakland Athletics once again. Uh, we had talked about before, but yesterday I heard that the Nevada state that the Nevada state legislature has passed a bill that will publicly finance a portion of the new stadium in Las Vegas for the Oakland Athletics. So it looks like now that Oakland will be headed to Nevada. There's a couple more hurdles they have to uh, they have to clear. The governor's going to sign off on this one, and then I'm sure MLB will okay it. It has to. It- uh, my friend, you're a jump ahead of me. I did not realize that that agreement had been made. Um, the 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 last thing I had from Oakland was they had twenty five thousand people at their stadium in what they called a reverse boycott. This was on Tuesday night, I believe. Yeah, I heard were, something about that. And they were wearing shirts that said sell, and that meant that they want the owner, Mr. Fisher, to sell the Oakland A's team to somebody who might want to keep it in the city. But really, really, even if somebody wanted to do it, I, that team has never made it in Oakland. That market is too small to hold two ball teams and have them draw. The Giants and the A's, you know, that's just too small an area. And now I think if what you say, you know, uh, continues to happen, if you, the governor of Nevada signs off on it, you know, they've already got hockey. That was the first hurdle. Yep, you know, and- be, before hockey. Everybody said, you'll never put a team in Nevada because of gambling. No. They put in hockey, and darned if hockey didn't win the Stanley Cup. And then they put in uh, the Raiders. They haven't won anything that I know of, but they're there. They're in Nevada. So if they can't play in the football stadium, they're going to have to build another stadium for the Vegas A's, assuming they keep the A's name and the word i heard was on that that they couldn't get a stadium up until 2027 yep so they'll be stuck in the bay area for three uh, brutal th- years three more years yep oh man that's and, and that's what you call lame duck ownership for the next three years you're going to be talking you think the parks are empty this year you're going to be seeing even smaller crowds and i know this happened in the Florida State League, the first job I ever had was with the Miracle in Pompano Beach. And there was a team in that league called the... Actually, this was not the Florida State League. This was the South Atlantic League. 
when I was with Charleston, there was a team called the Cape Fear Crocs. And that team, the word leaked out that they were going to move out of Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is where they were based. And the minute that word leaked out, forget it. You were talking attendance in the low three digits. I mean, two or three hundred people at Cape Fear. And the stadium was nothing but fire ants. And nobody was doing any maintenance. You know, and so these these next three years, and they've already got, you know, issues in Oakland. There was pigeons, yep. and one of the, I think it was the Mets, had to leave the booth because there were pigeons in there, or a possum. That's uh, what it was. Possums. It was a possum. That that was awful. <laughs> and they're they're gonna have three more years of this before they can get that stadium built, unless they find a way to build it at warp speed. Yep, and I know if you've had uh, toilets overflowing in Oakland, and uh, who knows what else. That's a horrible thought. Yeah. Well, Don, it was a it was a, a pleasure, as always, to have you on here. Um, we'll, we'll probably do this again in, in September and talk about the pennant races and whatever else that, that may need to be discussed. And did you want to say something about the College World Series? Because I know you uh, follow that a lot. Yes, I've spent a lot of time following the regionals and then the super regionals. Now, depending when this gets released, Friday the 16th, you have two games. You have Oral Roberts against TCU or Texas Christian. And then you have Virginia against Florida. Those are on two Friday. Saturday, the night game is Tennessee-LSU. The day game, Saturday, 2 o'clock Eastern, 1 Central, is Stanford against Wake Forest. This is the game I wanted to talk about. Wake Forest has got a pitcher named Rhett Lauda, and he is 15 and 0. Wow. Not, not in any league do you go 15 and 0 in this day and age. No. And the last time Rhett Lauda got beat, my Connecticut Huskies beat him which is why I brought my two Connecticut guys onto my program so we could talk about Rhett Lauder before he goes out on the hill on Saturday to face Stanford. And that that tournament now, that goes from the 16th until June 26th. And the only day there's no games is Friday the 23rd. So it's going to, and there's a lot of doubleheaders. And then the last two out of three are Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, the 24th to the 26th. And that's in Omaha at the new Charles Schwab Stadium there. Sure. Um, is Are we games this weekend in, in Omaha as well? Absolutely. The whole Omaha thing is getting started on the, four, on the 16th on Friday at 2 in the afternoon. And it's all on the Internet. And they have got some of the most incredible sound at that ballpark in Omaha, and they only use it during the College World Series. They have microphones buried underneath the bases and underneath home plate. Wow. But when Creighton, they play there all year long, when Creighton plays there, they're not allowed to turn on that sound system. That is the property of ESPN. And so they can own the, and they can't even use it during the Big Ten tournament, which Creighton is uh, nominally the host of. That system is only for the College World Series. And if you listen on 
Westwood One on KOZN, you know, anywhere on the internet, as long as you're hearing that particular broadcast, the sound is insane. You hear the, the runners because the mics are embedded underneath the bases. You hear the guy running from home to first, and you hear them dropping their bats, and, and sometimes you hear things you're not supposed to hear on the radio that get said. <laughs> it's it's just a wild experience to listen to. You know, if you're if you're not used to hearing that, it's a, a way different from any uh, broadcast outside the major leagues where things are somewhat similar. Sure. Well, once again, it was a pleasure, and uh, we will do this again. And uh, it, was, it was great having you on. Uh, we we will do this again. Yeah, we'll talk in September, and maybe talk about who might make the playoffs and who might not. Thank you, Troy. You got it. That will do it for this episode of Minnesota Twins Chat. I am your host, Troy Larson, and I would like to thank Don Wardwell for his time for doing this episode. And a couple quick things before I sign off. You can email the podcast at mntwinschat48 at gmail.com. That is mntwinschat48 at gmail.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to however you found this podcast. And if this podcast is not available on your favorite podcasting platform yet, uh, just grab the RSS feed and paste it into the app of your choice. And also, we have a Facebook page. Find the podcast on Facebook at Minnesota Twins Chat. And I would like to give a quick shout out to Jordan Strom for his permission to allow me to use his music that you've heard on this episode. So now for my guest, Don Wardwell, I am Troy Larson. So on, everybody.